Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast where, uh, well, here we are again. <laughs> another another Everton disappointment to talk about this time. Everton knocked out of the FA Cup, but not just knocked out, kind of embarrassingly. Knocked out in really disappointing fashion with a 4-0 defeat at Selhurst Park on Sunday. Following the uh, the recent trend of Everton games where they actually started the match well, but one setback seemed to really badly affect them and and they never really recovered from that point on. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Jones, uh, joined today again by Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland to try and dissect what, what exactly happened in uh, in South London. And, you know, Chris will... We'll start with you. You were sat next to me yeah. in uh, in Selhurst Park, and you know, as I, as as I've just said there, you know, it, it kind of followed the recent trend that we've seen from Everton, didn't it? You know, actually started the match in the in the right sort of fashion, uh, but midway through the first half, they kind of lost their way, and they just never really showed any sort of fight to get back to that point, did they? Yeah, because <clears throat> like you said, uh, see difficult circumstances, FA Cup quarter final. You know, Crystal Palace's fans are going to be up for it. They're going to create a big atmosphere in there, which they did. But Evan started the better of the sides. They had the, the, the best the early chances or the, the early play. It was mostly in the Palace half, Evan pushing forward. It was very encouraging, <coughs> probably until that moment that um, Andros Townsend uh, picked up that injury. But you can't use that as an excuse. Um, it, was a, it was a setback. Evan had plenty of sort of other options on the bench. Obviously, Demardi Gray came on they had Alex Awolby as well Thursday night match winner so it's not it shouldn't have been a fatal blow to, to Everton's chances obviously it was it was a setback but yeah one one simple goal again it's routine set piece easy header and um yeah heads are down I mean it shouldn't be the case yeah there's setbacks in football all the time you might concede a goal I mean that um Obviously, Everton's greatest team, the mid-80s when Candy Gray said you know we always felt we we scored first we'd win but even if we didn't We'd still win. I mean, that's the sort of. It wasn't just that they were great players; they had a great mentality and that 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 will to win. Whereas this team, unfortunately, what you know, any sort of setback whatsoever, and the heads are down and they stay down, and that is the biggest concern for me for the rest of the season. I know you put in your verdict; they actually start playing differently once they fall behind, and that's a, that's something else to discuss. But just that concern over that mental fragility, that that weakness, that any sort of falling behind, and it, it's game over, and that's. That's ridiculous. No wonder they're in such a, such a perilous position if that's the case. Mm. I mean, Gav, I wrote in my post-match piece yesterday that it only actually takes one goal to beat this Everton team. And it's not because they're losing games by you know a, a slim margin every week. It's just that, as Chris rightly says, their one goal seems to just change the mentality in this squad. And they just they just start playing in a completely different fashion. It, like, it's, it's really frustrating to watch, isn't it? Frustrating and and worrying, isn't it? As soon yeah. as Palace went ahead yesterday, the the script for the rest of the game was written. You know, was it twenty five minutes or something? They scored um, 
just having a look before we came on on air. I think since we equalised against Man United, I think we've gone behind 18 times against top flight opposition. They've only scored equalised twice. Mm. I think that was the Arsenal game and the um, Chelsea game. And Chelsea game only behind four minutes. Um, so that says it all, really, doesn't it? I mean, we yeah. very rarely score when we're getting beat 2 0, do we? Or, you know, you know, a consolation. You know, think of the Charles and I think maybe Brighton. Yeah, it's it's fragility, isn't it? And it was interesting. Lampard spoke about it quite clearly, didn't he? In the in his post match press conference, talking about lack of men, perhaps lack of mentality, uh, lack of some other thing he, he mentioned, um, which is. <laughs> And it was quite interesting them saying that, and you get you get the impression probably, and it's been boiling up for a while that Lampard is a manager who, in the Premier League, has played with top players who not only great natural ability but are big characters. It's the type of thing that Chris is talking about there in Evan in the mid eighties, and he's not the first manager who's been a hugely successful player to become frustrated with players who don't have that same desire, fighting and will to win that he had. And that's come across in some of his post-match interviews and it certainly came across yesterday. Mm. And I suspect he's hugely frustrated with that at the moment. And he said, when about them on to say, didn't he more worryingly, that that might take some time to change. I'd argue that it's very difficult to change. I think attitudes are ingrained in players early on in their career, and they don't. It's very, you know, and they're at a certain level because of those attitudes. I, I, I think when you get to your mid late twenties, do do people change? Players change their mentalities. I'm not sure they do. Mm. Harry Carter used to say that. You know, that was one of his. That's one of his mantras. So they always get young players because you can indoctrinate them. <laughs> when players get into their mid late twenties, you, you can't do that, and mm. and I think that's Frank's problem. He plays twenty eight, twenty nine, are they all of a sudden going to get a winning mentality, a will to win? I'm not sure they do. Mm. Yeah, you know, younger players maybe like Anthony Gordon. You know, even like somebody like Ben Godfrey. Mm. Mentality going to change in older players? I'm not sure it does. I'm not sure there's many precedents for that. Mm. To be honest, with you, and that's the one thing. Mm. Well, I mean, we've seen a lot of debate, I think, about Frank Lampard's post-match comments over mm. over the last 24 hours or so. And you were in, in the room with him yeah. and you've watched Frank Lampard's mm. press conferences over the last few weeks yeah. since he's become Everton manager. Are you noticing more of a frustration in him in, in, the, in those sort of situations? Because it's, it's I don't think it's very often that he calls out his players. I think he did yeah. it, like, you know, very... very a little bit against uh, uh, after the game against Tottenham, but mm. I think yesterday's one was a lot more pointed, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think you're right there, Adam. Um, it is it is a frustration, and I think the thing is, as a manager, like as Gav's alluded to, that it's the one thing you can't change. You can work on tra- on set pieces on the training ground, or certain systems or styles of play that you want to do, or different formations. But as Gav says, you can't ultimately change somebody's personality. If they're not, you you can try sort of try and make them work harder or realize the situation, 
but you're not going to give them a, a personality transplant. And that's the problem with them because so many of them are top players in terms of they've had international honours and they're regarded as, you know, valuable assets. But it's the one thing that if you look, you say, well, how many goals does she score? How many assists? You look at his stat sheet. It, it's the one thing you can't quantify. So I think, yeah, he is he is becoming frustrated with that as he realises, I suppose, he's having to play catch-up, whereas the Evertonians have sort of seen this group of players over a number of years now, and they've seen it as a major deficiency. Frank, as all new managers kind of tend to do, give everyone a clean slate, which is fair enough, and mm-hmm. say start from here, and certain players have had a new opportunity. I think out of all the players, people like John Joe Kenny, who wasn't getting a look in at all, really, under the previous hour, he played a little bit, but you know, suddenly come back and become regular. So everyone has, has been given that that clean slate. But yeah, he, he did seem, like you said, that, that, that the use of use of the swear word, he apologised straight <laughs> away for it. But whatever you want to call it, what he was describing is that is their their character and that that being up for the fight, which they really need to be in a relegation battle. Obviously, yesterday is an FA Cup game, a chance to go to Wembley, but it doesn't bode well against top flight opposition getting turned over again in that manner. So. Yeah, I have, I've noticed a change and it is an increasing frustration as I think he realises it's out of his control to a certain extent. I said, it's not something they can have a go, him and his staff on the training pitch and try and cajole them to a certain extent. But when something's out of your control as a manager, it, it will be frustrating. And he's pointed out that there are a lot of things, a lot of deficiencies that were before he arrived at the football club, including the, the away form and things like that. But yeah. I have noticed that and um, be interested to see what he actually does over this international break in terms of working um, with the players because, yeah, that that is something, as Gav said, that especially with these senior pros, how are you actually going to change that? And um, something we spoke to with Michael Ball for his column that got coming up later because um, he fears, you know, Frank has actually defended his players, said, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where people in the media have, have called them out for uh, deficiencies, but that doesn't seem to work either. You can, it's almost like you can't shame them, unfortunately. Yeah. You, you say, oh, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, um, you should be doing so, or even encourage them, you should be doing so much better. Whatever we say, whatever we do, or whether it's Frank Lampard or other pundits, it doesn't seem to change this, this problem. Mm. Well, I mean, Gav, I've, I've seen a lot of fans saying that you know they they've seen the sort of comforting approach to this squad of players to try and guide them through over the last couple of weeks and Lampard's press conference yesterday I think was well for want of a better phrase a, a, a turn towards a kick up the arse sort of approach and it's something that I've noticed a lot with Antonio Conte especially over the past couple of months with Spurs players who have you know very similarly been questioned about their mentality uh, over the course of the last few seasons, but Conte seems to get, I, I think, seems to get the right sort of approach in his post-match press conferences he does. He, he isn't scared of, you know, calling out these squads of players and he quite often does get a reaction in their in their next game when he does do something like that. So do you think this is something that Lampard maybe needs to embrace about himself and maybe take forward? And if so, do you think the players are going to have the right response to that? It's, re- it's really hard to know with this squad, isn't it? Um, yeah, First thing, their spares have got better players. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And if you're by and large, if you're a better player, you've got a better mentality. It's what goes party makeup for being a better player. I think, though, Chris talked there about not being able to change mentalities, and it's not me. And I agree, it's not the manager's control. 
But a bit like Conte, what you've got to do as a manager is, is, is set the team out in the formation that gets the best out of their abilities and maximises and, and knows that they're comfortable with to sort of maximise their feel-good effect. You know, give, give them a chance mm-hmm. of doing that. Um, but, and, and I think that's what Conte's tried to do with Spurs. But I think Lampard, I would, I would question, as we have done that, whether... The formations he's put teams out in and the constant changing round of players, even during games, has assisted that morale. I mean, Anthony Gordon played like what left wing back yesterday. Brian Clough, you know, Harry Katz commented, Brian Clough, you said the biggest sin of football is asking a player to do a job that they haven't got the tools to do. And, and I'd say that there's been several occasions since Frank came to the club where I'd say maybe there's been. You know, times where that's happened, and I don't, and I think what he needs to do, as we said a couple on a couple of pods ago, is just set the team up in the, in the best players playing the positions that suit the most, and then start from there. But with this constant changing and moving the players around can't help anybody's morale, can it? Really, um, you just you mm. saying there what we've done previously hasn't worked, so I'm going to do something different, and mm. um, I think that's what a manager can control. Conti does that spares with better players out there. That's what Frank needs to do. And uh, if he does that, that might address some of the issues, but obviously not all. But yeah, he, it's not just the players, isn't it? We said this before. Frank needs Frank on occasions, perhaps put the wrong team out in the wrong formation. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, Gav's mentioned in the formation there, Bees, and I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of, you know, criticism towards the midfield setup in particular. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like we could just keep coming back to this debate of whether to have two in midfield or three in midfield. And uh, as we're recording on Monday, I shared the clip uh, a little bit earlier this morning, mm-hmm. which showed like a minute of play when Everton were two 0 down in mm-hmm. something like the fifty-fifth minute, mm-hmm. where the centre backs were just being forced to pass it round the back, pass it backwards to Pickford. Because yeah. there was just no mobility in front of them. Whenever Decore, Decore at one point does get the ball and he does look like he's got 20 yards of space to drive forwards into. But instead he turns around and passes it backwards to Michael Keane instead. Yeah. And it's those it's those sorts of decisions that are being made in midfield, you know, to, the, to not show for the ball, to not maybe have the confidence to run forward with it. You know, it, it's maybe seeping out into the rest of the team as well, isn't it? Yeah, but... Um... Decore has been a shadow of his uh, his former self, and I say former self, just the form he was showing just a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. The terrific start to the season, he he was few one of the few big plus points under Rafa Benitez. Obviously, Rafa Benitez's short and not so sweet Everton reign will be, I think, viewed rather damningly, um, regardless of whether they stay up or not. But one of the few plus points was that the way he got Decore playing earlier in the season and uh, a real revelation and. I know he's had a couple of injuries uh, since then, but 
really sort of gone into his shell. But you talk about the, the issue in midfield. I think certainly in the cup games, obviously they've they've had these hands tied to a certain extent, hasn't he? With um, see Donny van der Beek is, is cup tied. Deli Ali can't come in either. He's cup tied, and then that Alan was suspended as well yesterday. So it was really the the two by default because they were the only two unless he sprung a surprise, which you sort of alluded to, whether Holgate or somebody had moved forward. But yeah, um I would going forward if if they do have the personnel now for the rest of the season, I go what a lot of people suggest and try and go with three. I know Gav mentioned last week he just thinks that they should whatever he deems to be the formation he wants to go with, although three four three seems to be his, his default, which again we can question because you've got two full backs playing basically as wide midfielders in that formation. That gives you an extra centre back. But you've got the two men in midfield when most of us think it should be three mm. and two full backs basically playing as wide midfielders. So there's big question marks over that. I prefer the 4 3 3 myself, but similar to what Gab was saying, just stick with it. And then at least the players might know their individual roles a, a bit better and it might give them a degree of continuity between now and, and the rest of the season. Mm. I suppose the thinking, Gav, is, you know, we, we heard from Lampard, I think it was earlier this week, he was suggesting that Everton do need to maybe find a different way to play away from home than they do at home because, of, yeah. you know, I think the players do get affected by crowds, whether that be Ackleton or at other stadiums across the country. So perhaps that was his thinking behind going to, you know, a five at the back system, trying to be more solid from the back and, and push forward. But, uh, were you maybe surprised to see Alex Iwobi dropped after after the performance that he put in on Thursday? I mean, I know he put in a lot of effort in in that match and he did play for the whole game, didn't he? But, you know, I, I don't think he looked particularly tired at any point. I do think he maybe, he maybe could have played on and, you know, perhaps it's easy looking back in hindsight and saying, oh, this would have been better. But, you know, with a 4-2-3-1, keeping, keeping the same back line that started against Newcastle, Decore and Gomez sitting in front of them, Iwobi in front of them. Now, Iwobi is at least comfortable in possession. He likes taking the ball on the turn. He would have been able to drop back and maybe progress Everton forward a little bit more. I mean, it's much of a muchness looking back on it now, I suppose. But, you know, is, is, is that something that you think Everton would be more comfortable in? Yeah, about yesterday, I was even more surprised when he didn't come on the pitch when Townsend went off. Well, this is this is something that I tweeted at the time. Yeah. You said in your live piece yesterday, yeah. it was just the way we were playing and pressing. It, it was made for the Wobi to come on and just carry yeah. on in that in that manner. But Gray came on as a different player entirely, and I think some of that, you know, some of that in, you know intensity was lost. I, I think the starting point for me is just get don't play three centre halves at the back. With, mm two full-backs out wide. It just doesn't work. I mean, yesterday, again, a recurring theme is if you play three at the back, then the spaces either side of the wide centre-halves are open. Mm-hmm. And Alisa is just like, he just hung wide, didn't he? Loads of space yesterday. No full-back marking him. He's an easy out-ball for, for Palace. I, I mean, my starting point is four, is four at the back yeah. all day long. You know, and maybe play within, you know, your left back, you could play Godfrey, I suppose, though that's not ideal. Mm-hmm. But start off four at the back, and then it's whether you want to play 4 2 3 1, 4 3 3, or 4 4 2. Um, 
I personally would think the way what we've got, I'd, I'd play four four two myself. Um, but I think as a, that, that's probably the most solid of those formations. Is this with Richarlison and Calvert Lewin both? Yeah, playing? yeah, yeah. Whichever way you do, it, yeah, yeah. Um, and and make it a tight tight four, so you're not outgunned out in midfield. You have one one of your wide men always comes over and covers. Or ask, or ask your second striker to drop deep. Um, I think four two three one. We've been found out on occasions this season, where you know, like Wolves did, where they just um, get on the outside of you two, two defensive midfielders in that space. So my starting point would be four four two. At four three three, yeah, fine. If, if you got the right balance in midfield with the three. Mm. I've not got a problem with that either. It's finding that like balance, and we've got no Allen. I mean, you're saying like the Allen Decore Van Van der Beek worked well didn't against Man City, but since then Van der Beek's been cup tied, Allen suspended for three games, and Decore's Decore's form dropped off the dropped off a cliff, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, maybe because of some of those other reasons. So, yeah, four at the back for me, and then four three three four four two is is my. My, my two formations I'd go with with the rest of the season. Mm. We need to scrap three at the back mm. and two full backs uh, out wide. It just doesn't doesn't work at all for me. Mm. Well, I think that, that that last point that Gav's made there is something that a lot of people picked up on, well, even before the halftime break, but certainly when the halftime whistle went. And I did see a lot of criticism yesterday of Frank Lampard and his in-game management not being able to pick up on those sort of issues early enough to try and change things and maybe get Everton back into the game before the game was lost. Is is that something that you think's fair? Yeah, um, like I said, 3-4-3 three, three, three seems to be his go-to formation when, when he's got the tools at his disposal. That's the what that's his you know, it's the formation he started with his first game and obviously they, they went well and we got a big handsome victory over Han- Brentford that day. Went the same way at Newcastle United next game and he obviously didn't go well then and hasn't gone particularly well since then. I just think three at the back had never been a comfortable formation forever. And, and I understand how it can be implemented properly, but you need to have players who are used to playing that way all the time and it comes natural to them. And I think this group of players, predominantly for the vast majority of their careers, have probably been in systems where it's been a flat back or mm-hmm. two centre-backs and full-backs operating as orthodox full-backs. Um, so... Again, we're asking them to do something they're not particularly comfortable with. Might be one, you know, if you're going to do it, sort of nail it down to start a pre-season and, you know, work on on the formation and get it drilled into them exactly what the the, the roles are. Because I know that the new director of football has also uh, written a book and playing not the three four three but the Continental three five two. it's called, or something like that. So, uh, Mr. Felwell, he, he, he's obviously not adverse to three at the back himself, but... Like we said, it needs to be kept simple. It needs to be kept tight now between you know, the rest of the se- se- season, keep them in roles that they are comfortable with. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately the, the players are letting them down, but the, the manager needs, like you say, to be perhaps more reactive to situations or put, at least put them in a position where they're comfortable or as comfortable as they can be to mm-hmm. sort of not so to avoid overcomplicating the situation because, yeah, it's not a system that either Everton have traditionally done well with or look comfortable in, and these players probably won't have played a lot in that formation either. Mm. 
I mean, at the top end of the pitch, Gav, there's issues as well. I mean, we can talk about the lack of service all we want, but, you know, it's another game without a goal scored for Everton. And to be quite frank, Richarlison never really looked like scoring. Calvert-Lewin came on at, you know, potentially a difficult time and in a difficult system, but he never looked like scoring either when he came on the pitch. How concerned are you about them two as a pair? Absolutely. The other thing as well, just to finish the three at the back conversation, your middle centre half has got to be able to play out with the ball and, and be a good passer. If you yeah. if you don't have that, you, you lose you know you lose that. Um you lose some of the advantages of it. Um yeah, but this is to do with the midfield as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You no, know, chances created, creativity, you know, very, very limited. Um, the only person who looked like a threat yesterday was Gray when he came on. He had a couple of couple of shots. Um, Richarlison once again proven to me the most. Um, when you talk about marginal gains, the most important thing in football is at least have one get your players to be able to kick with both feet. That chance in the first half was just waiting for it to be leathered with his left foot, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, and, and I'm amazed in football how players. At the top end of the scale, can't can't kick, you know. So some of them have a, have a real weakness on their weaker side, and I think that's just gen- not talking about Richarlison, in but just generally with all footballers, yeah, you know, be able to use your weaker foot when when it's needed, and that was perfectly summed up yesterday. Yeah, so he, he I mean, he tries Richarlison, but some of his bad habits have sort of returned, haven't he, over the last couple of games of going to ground too easily. Appearing to have a major cob on with someone and everyone, um, yeah. And I, I think Cavalum's a finisher. He's not a creator and finisher, so it has shown up some of the limitations of our forward players. But I think they could legitimately say that actually, how many assists are we going to get off to Corey and Gomez and Gordon during the during the game and. Our full-backs aren't exactly going to fly forward and create opportunities from out wide, which is mm. a bit difficult when you've got, sorry, wing-backs, when you've got a you know, right-footed left wing-back. So, yeah, it, uh, worried about up front, obviously. There's, he's our leading goal scorer, is it, in the league, is it, Richard? Is Great, it four Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just... You, yeah. You've got serious problems at this stage of the season when your leading goal scorer's got five, isn't it, or four? Yeah. And um yeah, strikers up front definitely Cavalier we spoke about. Had no saying, nothing to add there. But some of it is the, the lack of creativity. Well, a lot of it is the lack of creativity in the rest of the team, isn't it? And our I mean our dead ball usage is as summed up in like you know the games that sort of they see things that sort sums up games yesterday. When we had that Good opportunity to free kick from our wide right into a nice. We had all, all our centre halves up the up the pitch, and Gordon for some reason just blasts it, drilled it like chest height into the middle of their defence. Yeah. Who then play it out? We win the ball back, pass it back to Pickford, who then blasts the ball into the stands. Yeah, you know, ten seconds after Gordon just blasted it into the uh, the middle of their defence from a, a great position. Mm. So yeah, forwards definitely, but a lot of it's just to do with everything we've else we've said previously on on the pod. Lack mm. of formation, lack of you know right formation, lack of creativity. I wouldn't just blame the forwards for for non-scoring goals. 
the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, we've we've criticised you know the defenders and the midfielders for not using the ball properly, but you know it was apparent with the forwards as well yesterday, wasn't it? You know, misplaced passes from Richarlison, I think, broke down a few moves, uh, especially in the, in the build up yeah. to the uh, was it the first goal when he had that mad back heel, which which yeah. had, which led to absolutely nothing. That was that was really that was really stupid. Uh, Gordon gave the ball away too many times. Demardi Gray gave it away too many times. I think, you know, ironically, Andros Townsend was the only one who didn't really do that. Jordan is uh, over a minute on the pitch, but it, it, it is it is just a real problem, isn't it? You know, decision-making when Everton have got possession seems to be wrong just all over the squad. I don't know whether it's a lack of confidence or whether they're just scared to use the ball in the right way, but they just seem to be taking either the safe options throughout or, you know, if you're Mason Holgate, for example, you're trying... 50 yard Hollywood passes that just make it maybe 15% of the time, if that. Yeah, like I said, decision making, whether it's been over ambitious, like you say, or under ambitious, and um, either way, it, it, it's not good. It's, it's, it's concerning. I think there's issues all over the pitch. I said there's defense, goals, midfield can't get themselves about getting swamped, or they, you know, Decore is not making those runs like he was, and then up front. He said that no sort of cutting edge in the final third or any quality of the deliveries. It's nothing. Um, Michael Ball was saying um, he thinks that given this chronic decision making, which is afflicting the team at the moment, and they just can't seem to sort of dominate anybody, he thinks set pieces could be a real crucial um, weapon for Everton between now and the season. And he's concerned that they're not been utilising that um, enough because, as we know, this has got such a soft centre when it comes to defending their own set pieces but even worse at the other end they're not making them count there either there's a ball that hits the first man or there's a strange ball that they do to the back post and it over hits it but yeah it, it, it it's a concern that there's so many areas of pitch it's not like we can just say oh well the defence is bad or well the midfield is bad or the attack is bad everybody's out of form at the moment and it's an absolute toxic combination yeah. it, it's all the, the the chickens have come home to roost, and you take out Calvert Lewin, twenty one goals last season, hasn't scored since August. Now I know I was obviously out for most of the first half of the season, but you know, like I think it was mentioned yesterday, wasn't it, on the train back? You know, if only he just scored that penalty against Brighton, would yeah. that have given him the confidence to have gone on a run? Now, Richarlison, I mean, he's not a player you say lacks confidence, but what's that? Is he's, he's, one goal in the Premier League or something in three months or whatever, whatever it is, it's 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 not enough. You know, this is a player who's hit double figures in previous of his first two seasons, I think, at Everton, and those numbers have just totally dropped off. Um, there's a piece I did in my analysis. It's ironic, really, with um, Calvert Lewin and Richarlison. If they don't get the goals between now and the end of the season, you know, if Everton go down. Could they be on, on their way out of Everton? Well, if they did go down, if, if Everton are relegated, you imagine there'll be a lot of big players who'd be on their way out. But, mm. you know, if, if if their failures between now and the end of the season, I know it was a cup game again yesterday, but it was an opportunity for both of them to get back on the score sheet and build up that confidence between now and the end, end of May for the Premier League running. If the strikers don't deliver between now and the end of the season, that could have, and then they, they leave Everton on the back of it. I mean... How cruel and how ironic would that be that, that their failures 
led to these big moves. Whereas if they do do the business, there'd be an opportunity for them to stay. So mm. and I, I, I suppose that goes for all the players, but particularly, you know, as the, as the club's two most valuable saleable assets, um, they, they'd certainly be in, in the spotlight. We keep hearing, you know, reports from elsewhere of various teams who may or may not be interested in, in them. But yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly sort of... Uh, Struck a chord with me yesterday when when all those chance either chances were going begging or chances weren't being created. Thinking, well, and I don't know you could say you could save yourselves and save the team here, but if you don't, well, I'd even bother to just move on. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Can, can I just yeah, say? So I know you want to move, but decision making for decision making applies. There's a decision made to be made, isn't it? That you've got no, option yeah. A and you've got option B. Yeah. And you go to option B when he should have gone to option A, shouldn't you? You know, a player is better placed that he didn't pass to. Our problem is, and you, this you, your analysis out of the, the back passes, is that there is no option there to have. Mm. I mean, more, more, more often than not for us, there's not poor decision-making. Is There's no decision to be made because there's no option there, obvious option there to use. And, and that, that makes it so easy to defend against the central league, doesn't it? And further up the pitch, that happens. And I think, um, you know, there's there's two things there, isn't it? Poor decision-making when there is an option, but not having a decision to make because there are no options there at all for you. And mm. I think, you know, more often than not, it's the, it's the latter, isn't it? At the moment. Mm. And that's really frustrating. Yeah. Well, go, going back to... Uh, Going back to the comments about set pieces, there, I think Michael Ball's right that set pieces can be can be a major factor for Everton over the course of the rest of the season. And I did see a funny tweet yesterday saying Everton are only so bad at defending set pieces because in training the defending Everton set pieces, yeah. which which I think is <laughs> yeah, it's quite it's quite, it's quite funny, yeah, quite, yeah, spot, yeah. quite spot on to be honest. I mean, Gav, we're obviously entering an international break now. A couple of players are going off. Uh, and representing their countries, but the majority of players are staying at Finch Farm, whether they're available or not through injury or illness is uh, another point, I suppose. But would something like set pieces be near the top of your list if you're Frank Lampard uh, towards the start of this week? Yeah, it's a long list, by the way. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, just defending crosses full stop. I mean, mm. it was like the their corner that they scored from yesterday. It was a bit like the goal that we conceded against Wolves, which was in open play, wasn't it? When it's sort of similar area of the pitch, albeit it was a right-footed, the ball was almost right-footed, but in that that Wolves game, I think it was Godfrey sort of moved out of position, didn't he? And yesterday, I think Richardson did, and there was two, two, a couple of others who were a bit, bit slow to react. So, yeah, basic stuff. If this is part of the part of the thing when we said about Lampard, about you can't change mentalities, but you can change stuff within the way the team's formation and set up to at least get players sort of on on onto um, areas that more familiar that more familiar with and on the pitch and defending set pieces is such an obvious you know place to start, isn't it? There because it's basic stuff. And it's something that we've been let down with for, well, several years now, isn't it? It's not predates Benitez coming to the club, and I think it probably predates Ancelotti coming to the club. You know, Silver's teams weren't, weren't great, really. Mm. The defender yeah. set pieces 
there's a common thread there. It's pretty much the same central defenders who are, uh, are being involved. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Something that you need to eradicate that thought, don't we? That as soon as we see <laughs> can see the corner, <laughs> probably going to score here, lads. You know, so yeah, definitely, definitely mm. something that should be worked on. Um, and players told to be more disciplined for a start. Don't leave mm. the positions. Yeah, agree. Mm. I suppose like being more disciplined kind of plays into don't be giving silly free kicks away on the uh, on the edge of the box, which I think you know Everton have fallen foul of a couple of times this season. But bees, I suppose it's like a general question. But you know, if you were Frank Lampard at the start of this week yeah. after after that performance, what would be top of your agenda to be working on with your squad? I mean, as Gav says, it's obviously a very long list at the minute. Yeah. But you know, what what would what would you be looking at prioritising? Well, as we say, that they obviously did the set pieces because I mean. They showed in that great home win against um, Leeds United. They they pulled out a great um, corner kick routine, which which they scored yeah. from. So you know it's obviously in the locker, and obviously maybe you can't keep repeating that one. People yeah. aren't going to keep falling for it. Um, but hopefully there's a few different things like that, bits and pieces they could work on. And then obviously say at the other end as well. But yeah, on 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 the formation, I've said it. Both think Gavin and I have had the same mind. Scrap this three at the back. Um, I don't know. It does seem to be his preferred formation, but whether he can go back to that next season, we'll wait and see if he's still there. We'll see what division Everton are in. Um, but um, yeah, for now, yeah, we'll start working on on, on a, a flat back for and having that that understanding um, of the whatever formation he does want to go with. Just drilling that into that into the players and getting that sort of understanding that collect sort of that collective understanding of wh- what their roles are and what they need to be doing because they all need to be singing from the, the same hymn sheet. Got some, it's like when they come back, they've got two huge away fixtures to, to start with um, before they even get them at home game with Man United. So, see the, the Burnley one, uh, Burnley and Watford away. I mean, they're two of the games that really sort of stand out for me. People are talking about the big teams out and they've got a face between now and the end of the season, but I suppose they're, those sort of games take care of themselves. It's, it's, it's these two because obviously it's the classic, isn't it? Six-pointer. Not only yeah. could it stop Everton from getting points, the opposition could get them, whereas if you beat them, you move further away. So, yeah, just have, sort of working, not just on the set pieces at both ends of the pitch, but just on a formation, <clears throat> preferably a flat back four, and get the understanding. Everybody sort of knows what their role should be within that formation. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's enough <laughs> depressing Everton talk for me for one Monday, <laughs> to be quite honest. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's all we've got time for. We'll be back a little bit uh, a little bit later on in the week. I know it's the international break, so we've got no game to preview, but I'm sure there'll be lots of Everton issues that we can discuss a little bit later on in the week. I hope this has proven cathartic for some of you to listen to and for you lads to uh, to talk about. But uh, yeah, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.